pray together. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we come out of Easter, I pray that we don't lose uh, the sense or the passion of the resurrection and what that means for us. And as we begin talking uh, really over the next month about eternity and eternal life, I pray that you're, um, you would change the longings that are in our heart. Uh, because so many of us long for the here and now and this earth and this world. And I pray that you would transform us into resurrected Christians that, that literally long for heaven and long for the new heaven and the new earth. And I pray that you'd show us through your word what that means and that in Jesus there is nothing to fear, uh, not even death. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you all for looking to God's word. We're going to come back to this passage again, and we're going to be hitting on some other verses. And um, as I've said, many of you heard me say that Easter is not just a day, and often we think of it as a day. Easter is a season. Uh, As we celebrate Advent in Christmas, as we celebrate Lent leading up to Easter, the Easter season technically is 40 days until Pentecost. And generally, a lot of churches in those 40 days will talk about resurrection, preach about resurrection, sing about new life, so that, that Easter is not just a day. Now, again, Easter should be a life. But uh, with all of that, over the next month, we're going to be talking about resurrection. We'll be talking about eternal life. Uh, and with that, we will talk about death. And I'm doing this, um, a big reason is because one of the... Uh, one of the main questions I get asked over and over and over again uh, in the last several years, being a pastor in ministry, people say, what happens when I die? Y'all may have asked that question in your mind. What happens when I die? Now, the easy response, the Sunday school answer is, well, you go to heaven and you're with Jesus. But it's like people can't, um, uh, people can't like get that. Uh, people can't believe that. I mean, I know we do, but it doesn't give them strength or courage to face death. And again, a question I get over and over again is, uh, what's going to happen when I die? I mean, like literally, what, what will happen? And so um, over the next month, uh, the next, I think, four Sundays, I'm going to preach a series, and it's going to be, what happens when you die? And we're going to look at what the Bible says. Um, and it, Again, I say this because it is a fear I think a lot of us have. I actually stood here last week, Easter Sunday, and I was saying and I was preaching, you know, some of y'all take a step uh, because there's really nothing to fear. And then I admitted, hey, I have my own fears. Um, One of those is death itself and, and facing death, either death of people I love or my own. And so... And Reed actually reminded me of this. Wake up, Reed. As we were having, because uh, we were talking, about, I'm going to say this about why people are afraid. And Reed's like, well, you said this last week that you were, I was like, yeah, I do. So there you go, Reed. Thanks for holding me accountable. Um, so all that to say is, uh, man, it's, I think it's a genuine fear. And I think if you say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm, I'm chilled out, and all, it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're really being truthful to yourself. Now, a couple things just to preface this. I want to do, um, well, well, two very important things. One, when we're looking at this, when we're looking to answer this question, I'm trying to get you to look from a biblical world view. Now, some of you may say, hey, I know my Bible. I learned it in Sunday school. But I think very few of us look at our life with a biblical world view. 
We say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Hey, I believe the Bible. I believe God's Word. But do we really, do we really and truly look at our day-to-day lives, look at our work, look at our, our weeks from a biblical worldview or do we look at it from a cultural worldview? And I'm not talking about like conservative or, or liberal or, or whatever. I'm talking about like do we look at what the Bible says and let that shape and convict our life and our actions? Do we have a biblical worldview of death? Do we have a biblical worldview of eternity? And I'm not just talking about heaven and hell, about like what, what will happen. And secondly, this, uh, this series, or these four weeks, it's really more specifically for believers. So like if you're a believer of Christ, or if you believe in Christ, or you, if you've accepted Christ, if you've been baptized, this is more geared towards you. However, that being said, I've seen over and over again that unbelievers are impacted just as much when we preach and teach to believers. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be like seeker-sensitive or, you know, wishy-washy to have an unbeliever start asking questions and God start working on their heart. Um, You can preach challenging stuff. You can preach the Bible and God will convict someone. But as I'm going to be talking, I mean, it's to folks who've said, I've I've got Jesus in my heart. But yet I'm still unsure about death and what happens. And so so anyway, it's, it's for believers, but I believe unbelievers will be. Impacted, and I know we have unbelievers here. Uh, there may be just one, but uh, and hopefully we'll have more and more. Um, I want to answer a couple questions this month, not today, but uh, the questions would be first: What happens at the moment of death? And that's what we're going to focus on today. Um, secondly, what happens when Jesus returns? So. You know, a lot of y'all, I know, like rapture stuff in times. We're not going to, like, get all into that. But, but what does happen? What does the Bible say about Jesus' return? That's next week. What's this whole judgment about? If you read verse 10, it says, I'll stand for the judgment seat of Christ. That's going to be two weeks from today. Talking about, what is this judgment seat of Christ? And then last, what's our final resting place? I mean, what's our final home? Is heaven our final home? Does the Bible say that? We'll see. Those are the questions... Uh, that I want to hit each week. And then also, I think that this series really gets at some deeper issues of being a Christian. Issues like eternity. I mean, do we have an eternal mindset? Um, A couple verses real quick. Uh, James 4.14. James 4.14 should be up on the screen. There it is. It says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vantages. Some translations have not missed, but a vapor. Uh, just think about that, man. That God's word, biblical worldview going back, says that our life is like a mist, like a vapor. It is momentary when compared with eternity. So do you look at your life now in an eternal focus that it is a vapor? And then what does the Bible say about eternity? Some passages in Revelation. This is kind of hardcore. Get ready. Revelation here it comes. There we go. Revelation 10, 20, or 2010, it actually talks about hell. Please don't leave and just remember this verse. I, I was really hesitant to put it up here, but it talks about hell tormented forever and ever. Gosh, that's, I mean, I, I hate that, but that's, that's what the Bible says, biblical worldview. And then Revelation 22, 5, in heaven, people reign forever and ever. Okay? Eternity, forever and ever. Actually, the Greek of that ever and ever is the same word. It's age upon age. Like, you know, an age, generation, generation upon generation. It is, it is everlasting. It is forever and ever. And our life here is a vapor and a mist. Wow. 
I don't mean, I don't know if that like pierces you, but it, it does me. And it just makes me think of my life in just a whole new way. So eternity, a uh, question of faith. As in like, do we really have a biblical worldview? Or is religion and Christianity really just like a cushion to kind of get us through tough times or challenging times or times we're looking at that job or divorce papers are on the table but not been signed, um, child's gone astray? I mean, what is our faith? Is it, is it based on a biblical worldview? Is it based on God's word? And we want to search the scriptures and pray, God, convict me? Or is it, is it like a cushion to keep it soft? The hard blows of life. So the issues of faith. Issues of love. I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about do we love God more or do we love this earth and this world more? Just point blank. And hey man, I, I mean that, that convicts me and that challenges me. So I'm totally saying like I'm not standing up here saying I'm there and you're not. Because I, I love life and I love like things of life and I love basketball games last night and I love sports and I love my family here on earth and I love you know just the things of this world but yet being a Christian you get down to it do we love God more and do we long for heaven more than this world and this earth just throwing it out there and then the last deep question is courage do we have the courage to live a radical life for Christ? Do we have the courage? Because when we look at our life in eternal perspective, and then our life's a vapor, and then we are faced with eternity, should not that change the way we live our life, and should not that convict us, say, man, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll go wherever, God, you call me to go. Philippians 1.21, another verse, says... To live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh my goodness. I say oh my goodness because I tell my son Jack, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't say oh my, you know. Oh my goodness. That verse, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's what Paul wrote. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He's saying if I die, it's just gain. It is gain. Um, Do we have courage to live a radical life like that? Because if we don't, the... Opposite is 1 Corinthians 15, 32. And Paul says, if you don't take this attitude, then why don't you just... If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we will die. So if eternity really has no meaning or no value, I mean, and I've actually said this over and over again. I mean, if it's not for being a Christian, man, just, just party it up. I mean, what is there to, what is there to lose? I mean, what, life doesn't have eternal consequences. Just, just go, just run, just roll. For tomorrow you die. Enjoy life while you can. And a lot of people live in that philosophy. So I think this gets to questions of death, questions of eternity. What happens? It, uh, it gets to these, these deals. So again, I want to look at scripture and we're going to look at what Paul writes about death. And so we're going to look at this passage today, 2 Corinthians 4, start with verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 10. And, and then we'll stop, and we'll take some on next week. And uh, it's, I will go ahead and say that some of these, um, you read these verses, like, all right, what's going on here? I mean, Paul's talking about tents, and then he's talking about buildings, and then he's talking about being naked. What, what's the deal here? I mean, it's, um, it's not like just like, you know, 
John 3.16 or Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. So we're going to get into this scripture and, uh, and we're going to see what God does through it. Now the first thing, about, um, first thing about death and moving towards death is that it's very easy to lose heart. And the first verse Paul says is uh, verse 16. He says, do not lose heart. Because Paul knows it's easy to lose heart in life. And the first deal is, and we always say wiser here when we mean something else, but let me just say the word older, okay? Like getting older, getting the gray hairs, and, you know, you know, working out and then just, you know, wanting to stay in bed till noon, getting older. You know, it happens to all of us. And it is easy, it is easy to feel despondent, it's easy to lose heart when we look at our life, maybe in the mirror, or we just think, man, my best years are behind me. You know, best years in looks, best years in, you know, mental acumen, best years in uh, being able, I don't know, being able to stay out later at night. I mean, you know, I mean, some of y'all know what I'm talking Look, I, I've been there, done that. Being able to stay out later at night, being able to roll, being able to play harder, you know, whatever it is. It's easy to lose heart that you grow old and you get old. And Paul was, was hitting on this because right now in this passage, Paul was getting old. He even says... Our outer nature is wasting away. He, as Paul usually does, spares no words. Our outer nature is wasting away. We're getting the wrinkles. We try to cover them up. Um, we try to cover the gray hairs up. We, and our outer nature is wasting away. Physically, we get old. But then it's very easy to lose heart because as you, you get older, relationships change. And some relationships die. Or some relationships are, are hurt. And uh, there's a passage, I'm not going to read it to you, but if you read Second Timothy, the last chapter, chapter 4, it's really near the end of Paul's life. And, you know, we think of Paul and we think of St. Paul and we think of this great warrior for Christ. And if you read Second Timothy, chapter 4, it's kind of like, beware of what you're getting into here. Because he goes over and over again about everybody who's left him and everybody that's done him harm and everybody that has spoken ill against him. And he actually says, there's a verse, only Luke, the writer of Luke says, only Luke is with me. Everybody else has left me. Easy to lose heart. Easy to lose heart physically. Easy to lose heart emotionally, relationally. And I know for many of you, um, it's very easy to lose heart. Some of you may have lost heart. Uh, Perhaps emotionally or relationally. Um, you know, someone close to you, um, you know, maybe an ex, husband, wife, um, maybe a parent, maybe a sibling, a child, a friend. I mean, look, it's like pick your poison. You know, being in pastoral ministry, I mean, you just, you see it all. And so I know many of you are on the cusp of losing heart, and I know some of you have on certain situations. And Paul is saying here, we don't have to lose heart. And even he's saying physically, even though we get old, and even though we're all journeying to that point, we don't have to lose heart, even in facing death. So if it's easy to lose heart, how do we not lose heart? And this is where Paul really gets into it. I'm going to go verse by verse a couple times. I'd love for you to just underline these, go back to them, let God speak to you. How to not lose heart. How to not lose heart. Here is four steps to not lose heart, straight out of the Bible, okay? First, verse 16 continues. He says, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. That in Christ, and and I believe that you get this when 
you study your Bible or just pour over your Bible or just read a verse or have your quiet time in prayer or you're with a small group of believers or you come to worship, your inner nature gets renewed. Even though your outer nature is decaying, our inner nature in Christ is renewed. Verse 18, he says, It's easy to look at what can be seen, but look at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. What can be seen is temporary. Our bodies, our lives are temporary. What cannot be seen is eternal. A walk with Christ, a living faith, knowing God's word, studying over it, praying for it. That's what's real. That's what lasts. And he says if you look to these things, and you can't see them physically, but they're real. And look to what is unseen. Skip down a couple of verses to chapter 5, verse 6. Paul says, even though our outer nature is wasting away, even though it's so easy to lose heart, look at this, verse 6. He says, we are always confident. Underline that word, confident. Some of your translations may have, so we always have courage. Courage and confidence. Even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul's saying, we can always be confident. And he goes into this. He's like, even when we're here on this earth, in this body, we're away from the Lord. Now, look, the Holy Spirit's real. The Holy Spirit's present. And we have the Holy Spirit. But there's something about being on this earth, on this world, in this body. We're not fully with God. That's kind of, kind of why heaven's going to be. It's one way, not kind of. Heaven's going to be so good. We're like fully with God. Like we're, we're with him. We're, we're, we're standing in front of him. Like, can you imagine that? And so Paul's saying, like, we can be confident that heaven, what awaits us is, man, we're with God. Like, we're, we're fully with him. We're, we're always going to be with him. And yes, we have his spirit, and Jesus said that's better, and that's why he's leaving to give us his spirit. But to be in the presence of the Almighty, the creator of the universe, who knitted each of you, each of us together, we can have confidence in that. And then verse 7, walk by faith, not by sight. I've used that verse many times before. It's one of my favorite verses, walk by faith, not by sight. How to not lose heart. Uh, I believe this passage, these couple of verses, whatever we're going through in life, relationally, physically, getting old, this is real. And the thing about this, it, it talks about nothing that's physical, not dollars and cents, um, not houses, uh, not vacations, which I love. You know, not uh, mountain vistas, not lakes in Italy, not beaches, nothing of that. It's all things you either can't see or things that are inside us, which you can't see either. So it's all things that are internal and unseen. Did you catch that? And that's how we don't lose heart. And that's how we keep hope. I want to ask you a question. And, I mean, think about this. What is real for you? Like, like what is really real you know those times, like, you, you have a moment, like, man, this, this is real. And I don't know, maybe it's like when you repeated your vows, or, or maybe it's when you're, you know, you adopted your first child. Or maybe it's when you're in the delivery room, and, like, a good friend of mine said, you know, there are moments in life where, like, there is a veil that we can't see, but it's like this, this veil between this world and the next. It just kind of slightly comes up. And we see something. That veil came up a little bit when I, you know, watched my three boys being born. I, I've ne- I'll be honest. I've never been in the presence, like, when someone literally passed from this world to the next. 
Um, you know, I don't like look forward to that. But I have had people who've been there, and they say too, like it's like the veil kind of comes up. And so I ask, what, what is real? Like what is, what is, what is real? And I want to challenge y'all. Sometimes when y'all are here in worship, and Chris and our worship team are leading y'all in worship, or, or maybe you're in God's Word, and maybe it's here, or maybe it's at home, or maybe you're in your prayer life, or maybe you're ministering to someone, or maybe you're on a mission trip. I mean, it can be all sorts of things. But there are these times, and I think it's, it's, it's the most real that can really be in this world. It's like, th- this is real, and I want this. And it's real because it's the Holy Spirit. And it's real because it's something that is not uh, perishable, but is imperishable. And everything on this earth will, will ultimately perish until the Lord returns and remakes it anew. But I believe those feelings of, of it's real, man, hold on to that and like seek it and like get it as often as you can and, and find it. And that's, that's Christ and that's the Holy Spirit and that's Him speaking to you and that's eternal and hold on to those. That's, that's when you will never lose heart. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Things you can't see that are inside. And you walk by faith, not by sight. A couple other things real quick. Something else that you could see. And that's our bodies. And I want to go back to this about physical suffering. I want to go back to the beginning of this. Where he says, verse 16, our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed. But then he says, verse 17, look at this. This slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. You could underline that verse. Preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Here's the deal. Uh, We have several people here in our church family who experience chronic physical pain. Some of y'all have experienced physical pain. Maybe it's like, you know, for a couple weeks or a month or, or maybe you're looking at a surgery coming in and you're going to be in pain. Uh, maybe the pain never stops. Again, it's, it's physical pain. Paul is, I believe Paul's talking to y'all right here. He's saying even though our outer nature is, well, even though the pain doesn't stop, he says we are, get this, this affliction is preparing us For an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. What Paul is saying is that all suffering is is not for loss. All physical suffering is is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. I mean, you catch that? I mean, he's saying if you're suffering physically, what's being prepared for you is so good and so wonderful that your mind cannot comprehend, cannot fathom. And that's that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. It's what eternity has for us. And, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, Paul had his thorn. He talked about that. People argue, was that physical? Was it emotional? Was it a person? Um, and, yeah, God gives us thorns. And it's preparing us for this eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. All measure. So what glory? What's that glory look like? Then he goes into it. Chapter 5, and I, just, I, get, I want to explain this because, I mean, it's kinda, I think it's kind of hard to take in. Chapter 5, what is this glory? First thing, he talks about a tent. The tent is our earthly body. This is, this is the tent. Y'all, we all got tents. We're here in tents. And he compares a tent, which it's interesting because Paul was a tent maker, 
and, you know, people lived in tents, and tents get blown to and fro by the wind, and sometimes, you know, come, become unstable, and you lose the tent. So it's, it's unstable. And Paul compares the tent to a building. He said, now we've got a tent, then we're going to have a building that is like locked in, rock solid, secure, and it's going to be awesome. We go from a tent to a building. And then he goes on, he's talking about clothed and unclothed and naked. And he's saying here, he's like, okay, right now we're, we're, we're partially clothed, okay? And there are going to be two things that can happen. One is Jesus can come back. And then he's going to give us a different set of clothes. And we're not going to have to experience death. And in these clothes, we're going to be reclothed with a new body. And it's going to be like awesome. And we don't have to experience death. And he, that's what he means. We don't have to experience being naked, okay? In the nakedness scheme of things. The other thing that could happen is that we die and we face death. And then he's saying this, this body will go to the grave, be raised again one day, but we'll be naked and then we'll be clothed in heaven with a new body and then we'll be fully clothed when Jesus returns and our bodies are clothed in the fullness. So he's using this illustration about like there's a tent and then there's a building. And he's using an illustration of we have this set of clothes on now, but there's this whole better, greater set of clothes that God is going to bestow on us. And he said, it's just, it's beyond comprehension. And, you know, Paul's talking about this, and he says, we have the Spirit as a guarantee. Verse 5. He says, how do we know this? Because the Holy Spirit guarantees this. And we know it, it's a fact. We, we've got this, this life, this set of clothes, this building awaiting us. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. So we should walk by faith and not by sight. He goes on, chapter 5, verse 8. For we have confidence and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And here's what Paul is getting to. He is getting to this radical life that I started out with. And he's getting to what he would prefer. And this... This so challenges me, and it's going to so challenge y'all, and I want to go there. Because Paul is really saying, here's my preference in life. If I have my preference, what I want to do is, I don't want to see death, and I want Jesus to return, and I want to be here, and I don't have to go through death, and I'll be fully clothed, and that is my preference, and I can just meet him in the clouds, and be in glory, and be on the new heaven and the new earth, and that's wonderful. That's preference number one. Then he says, but i got preference number two. My preference, and get this, if I can't have that, then I would rather die physically and be at home with the Lord. The question we ask today, what happens at the moment of death? You are at home with the Lord, instantly, there, in the presence of God. And that is so much better and so much greater than this life, than these tents, than this outer nature that is wasting away. And Paul says... Number one, Jesus comes, the rapture, and I'm caught up with him in glory. Number two, I'll die and be with him. That's his preference. Then he says, number three, if I can't do that, then I'll remain here. And I'll walk by faith and not by sight. And there's work to do. And I'll do it. And I'll be fruitful until God calls me home. Philippians 1, 21, 23. He goes into this with his church at Philippi. Philippians 1, 21, 23. 
he says, um, this is when he says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on, verse 22, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I don't know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to die, and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. This is the church he's ministering to. Here's the deal. If you're here, and I said I'm talking to believers today, if you're here and you're a believer... Jesus is just, he's not done with you. God is not done with you. You have great work to do. You have labor to do. I mean, I mean honestly, it is, it is so much better to be fully with God that I believe God would, all, would take all of us home. So if you're here, and we're here, and God hasn't called us home yet, you have work to do for him. And I, I want that to just really sink into you and, and think about that and... and Convict you, because if you have accepted Christ, if he's in your heart, and I know many of you have, and he hasn't called you home, which would be better, then you got work to do. you got work to do. And we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Because what we see in the mirrors is outer nature decaying. What we see is relationships being damaged. What we see is a broken world. We see war. We see famine. We see suicides. We see a broken world. But we walk by faith. And not by sight. And we know that we're being renewed day by day. And we know that that isn't fully real. And what's real is the Holy Spirit, which convicts, which impacts. And we know that by faith, we have this great building and this great set of clothes that will go on for eternity. And if we're suffering physically or emotionally or relationally, we can still be renewed internally. And we know that the glory is beyond all comprehension that we will receive. You will receive. But if you're here, your work's not done. There's something Jesus has for you to do. And when he calls somebody home, and we've all lost loved ones, and we will lose loved ones, then we need to know his or her work was finished. And Jesus called them home. And it was done. I want to read you a quick story just before we close. A guy who went home to Jesus 10 years ago today. 10 years ago today. And um, if I can pull it up, bear with me here. This is a guy, y'all may remember him, um, if you watch news and stuff. Again, 10 years ago, he was a host on, um, I think it was on Today's Show. This guy's name was David Bloom. And um, he went to Iraq, and he died um, soon thereafter. But there's, he's got a backstory, And he, the other thing is, he was young. He was 39 when he died. And he left a wife and uh, a couple little girls. And um, so 10 years ago today... He, um, he passed, and he wrote this letter the day before he went home to be with the Lord. So I'm just going to skim over it real quick. It says, it's 10 o'clock here on a Saturday morning. I've just been talking to my sound man, Bob. His older brother, who he loves and admires, has been undergoing chemotherapy treatment for leukemia. Here, Bob is out in the middle of the desert in this war, and the brother he cares the world for, who had been the picture of health, devoted to his wife and kids, is dying. Bob can't wait to come home with him, and I can't wait to be home with all of you. You cannot begin to fathom, cannot begin to glimpse the enormity of changes I have and am continuing to undergo. God takes you to the depths of your being until you are at rock bottom. And then, if you turn to him with utter and blind faith and resolve in your heart and mind to only walk with him, he will pick you up by your bootstrap and he will lead you home. I hope and pray all my guys get out of this in one piece. But I tell you, sweetie, I am at full peace. 
deeply saddened by the glimpses of death and destruction I have seen, but at peace with my God and with you. I know only that my whole way of looking at life has turned upside down here. I am, get this, I am supposedly at the peak of professional success, and I could frankly care less. Yes, I'm proud of the good job we've been doing, but in the scheme of things, it matters little compared to my relationship with you, the girls, and with Jesus. There is something far beyond my level of human understanding or comprehension going on here, some forging of metal through fire. I have put my Bible and my book of daily devotions and prayers inside my jacket so it would be close to my heart, protecting me in a way, and first in my thoughts. When the moment comes when Jim or John or Christine or Nicole or Ava or you are talking about my last days, this is the day before he died, and he had no idea what was going down, I am determined they will say he was devoted to his wife, his children, and he gave every ounce of his being, not for himself, but for those whom he cared about most, and his Lord Jesus Christ. Please save this note. Look at it a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. You cannot know, nor do I, whether you will look back at it with tears, with heartbreak, a sense of anguish and regret over what might have been, or whether you will say he is a fully changed man. God did a work in his life. I swear to you on everything I hold dear, I'm speaking the truth to you. I will continue to speak the truth to you. And not to be trite, but that will set me free. God bless you. I love you. And give my love to the girls. Um, he went home to be the, with the Lord the next day. And, you know, it's crazy thinking about, he wrote that letter not knowing any of that. And, and then he, Jesus brought him home. So I say that to you because it spoke to me as I read it that there, there's so many... There's so many things that are more important, and if we're here, we have a call. If we're here, God's not finished. And when he calls us home, we're, we're, we're finished. I, I question why a young man like that who was doing you know, a great job was called home, but God, God decided to bring him home. His work was done. And the glory he's experiencing and will experience is, is just unimaginable, and that's what we have to look forward to. And at the moment of his death, he was in the presence of the living God. So I just want to close with some questions for you. I'd love for you to think about them over the week. We'll probably ask them again in the next couple Sundays. Do we long for the second coming more than our life here on earth? Second, do we long to be with Jesus more than our life and career and family and kids on earth? And third, if we're here today, can we walk by faith, not by sight, and realize God's not finished with us? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are not finished with us. I pray people would know that there is this great call on their life. If they are sitting here today, that you have this, have this work for them to do, and, and it's good, and it will bless them, and it will grow your kingdom. And when you're done, we'll go home. And home is better. So may we not fear death, but may we know that we are with you and it is there will be no suffering and there will be no end to our glory because we're in the presence of God. I pray for those who are afraid. I pray for those who are facing death. May we be a comfort and may we know that death is not the end. We have a home in heaven, and we have a home that will await 
on the new earth when Jesus comes again. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.